Scripture reading this morning will be read from Luke 18, 28 through 30. Luke 18, 28 through 30. Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We're very thankful that you have chosen to be here this morning. And we're always glad to have the opportunity to be together as God's people, to worship Him, and to pay Him the reverence and the adoration that He is due. We're going to be looking in a moment at Luke, the 18th chapter. I would call your attention to Luke 18, verses 28 through 30, the passage that Tanner read just a moment ago. As we look at this particular passage of scripture, we're going to be asking the question, have you left all to follow Jesus? The scriptures tell us repeatedly that the Lord Jesus Christ is interested in us following him. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is recorded as saying, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. The promise, of course, I will give you rest. You and I, we have to make decisions in life, and one of the decisions that we have to make, will we follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we willing to literally forsake all to follow him? In our lesson text, we have the apostle Peter making the statement to Jesus, Lord, we have left all to follow you. And I guess really it's incumbent on us to ask the question, have we, like they, left all to follow him? And so with that in mind, I want you to look with me at these verses before us. And the first thing that I want to call your attention to has to do with the fact that the disciples, that here were men that literally gave up everything to follow Jesus. And so let's note, if you would, with me for just a moment or two about what they gave up to follow Jesus. Now, when we talk about the disciples giving up all to follow him, I think we need to understand that there were no doubt sacrifices made. And there are sacrifices made on the part of all of us who decide to follow Jesus. Jesus would say in Matthew 16, verse 24, if any man will come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, as you look at this particular passage of Scripture, I guess first of all, you need to understand the background to to Peter's assertion here. Again, bear in mind, Jesus has been discussing a number of things with those who are around him. And in verse 28, Peter says, Lord, we've left all and followed you. So what then is the background? Well, if you go back and look at verse 18, you find that Luke tells us that a certain ruler came to Jesus and he made this statement. He said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so really he wants to know, what do I need to do to to enjoy the blessings of eternal life? Jesus then responds by saying, why do you call me good? 
And I think by the mere fact that this particular individual referred to Jesus as good, it was a designation of deity. And so he asked the question, why do you call me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Well, here's what Jesus said. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. This man then responds by saying, all these I have kept from my youth up. When Jesus then heard this, his response was, yet you still lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and then follow me. Now Luke tells us that when this young man heard this, he became very sorrowful, and the reason being because he was very rich. So then Jesus makes this statement, how hard it is for those to, who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then those who heard him make this statement asked this question, who then can be saved? Jesus, in response, said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. So it's really with this background in mind that we find Peter's bold assertion. And here's what he said, Lord, we have left all and followed you. What does it mean to leave all to follow Jesus? I would underscore that word all because Peter here is saying, look, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. Let me just give you some, some things that people typically have to give up in order to follow Jesus. First and foremost, I think about finances and the, the things that I'm gonna share with you are in no particular order, but I think about finances. And in this case, I think about Peter and the other apostles, the other disciples' occupations. Peter, as you well know, Peter and Andrew, they were fishermen. And back in Matthew, Matthew chapter four, we find Jesus calling these men into service. Jesus had said to Peter and Andrew, come and I will make you fishers of men. And Matthew tells us immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now I don't know what kind of business they had going, but obviously it was enough to support them and their families. And yet these men willingly walked away from their life's work, from their occupations, to follow the Son of God. Sometimes you and I, we have to make decisions. Sometimes those decisions have to do with our finances. Sometimes individuals make decisions to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and they sever themselves from maybe even unwholesome occupations. Well, Peter here is saying, look, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. And then there's another thing that comes to mind. And that has to do with family. Now, Peter was a married man, had children. We know that by reading 1 Peter chapter 5 and the fact that Peter served as an elder. But there are some people that have literally given up their families for the cause of Christ. Do you remember what Jesus said in Luke 14 verse 26? He said, if any man will come to me and hate not or love less father and mother, brothers and sisters, 
wife and children, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I think about the apostle Paul. Paul was a tremendous preacher of the gospel. And as you well know, the apostle Paul was a Jew. And in Philippians chapter three, he cites his pedigree. And listen, his pedigree was very impressive. He talks about how he was of the stock of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin. He said, a Hebrew of Hebrews. If anyone could have boasted about his, his family tree, it would have been the apostle Paul. And yet, when you look at the life of Paul, have you ever wondered, wonder what his, wonder what his family thought about him becoming a Christian? I mean, here was a guy that was steeped in Judaism. Here was a guy that was very zealous for his cause. And I think we could link to this idea of family relations, faith. Sometimes when we decide to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we walk away not only from our family members, but maybe even the faith of our family members. Paul was a zealous Jew, so much so that he was out persecuting those who were followers of the way. He was binding, literally binding those who were Christians. In Acts chapter 26, he says, when, when they were put to death, he said, I gave my voice against them. In other words, I consented to it. When Stephen was put to death, you know what Paul said? Paul was right there with him, consenting to his death. Paul may not have only walked away from his family, but he walked away from his faith. Now somebody says, well, that wouldn't have been very hard for Paul to do. Let me tell you what, it must have been very difficult. You're talking about somebody who was not just a Jew, he was a Pharisee. Here was a man that, that was what we would say knee deep in his religion. And yet Paul is willing to look at the evidence, he's willing to weigh the evidence. His conclusion, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God that the prophets of old foretold of, this is indeed the one of whom the scriptures pointed to. And so you know what, you know what Paul did? He obeyed the gospel. And I really believe if it meant walking away from his family members, his faith, whatever it, may have, whatever it may have taken for him to affiliate with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what he did. He would say in Philippians chapter three, I have suffered the loss of all things. Why? That I may gain Christ. It was all about the Lord Jesus Christ in the mind of the apostle Paul. So here are some things that, that people walk away from, willingly walk away from. Why? Because they want to become a Christian. Here, here, here are some things that people give up to follow the Son of God. We ask the question, what did the disciples give up for Jesus? Well, Peter said, look, we've, we've left all, Lord, to follow you. And then I think about some who have to walk away from friends. One of the most difficult things to do when people are weighing whether or not to become a Christian is to make, make the decision. Am I going to walk away from, from maybe an occupation, my livelihood, my finances? Am I willing to walk away if the case 
If the case be from my family members, from my, from my mama, my daddy, my brothers, my sisters, my grandparents, am I willing to give up what they believe because I have now come to understand this is the truth of Almighty God? And then friends, severing ourselves from people that are going to become a roadblock in our service for the Lord. Solomon talks about how the righteous should choose their friends carefully. He goes on to say, the way of the wicked leads them astray. Paul said, be not deceived, evil companionship corrupts good morals. One of the most difficult things for young people sometimes to do is to decide to become a Christian and then literally walk away from what I would call the bad crowd. It's not easy. When you've been running with people for, for months, for years, when, you, when you've had people that are closer than brothers or sisters to you and you know that their lifestyle, what they're doing is not right, they're not going to change, and yet you're willing to change. You're ready to change. So what do you have to do? You have to walk away from them. Why? Because you understand that's what it takes to become a New Testament Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. So these are some things that we give up for Christ. These are some things, no doubt, that the disciples had to give up for Jesus. But I want you to think with me in the second place about what they gained in Jesus. Sometimes we talk about gains and losses. Well, when, when you make the decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, there are some things that you, that you have to give up. There are some things that you're going to lose. But the gain is far worth it. So, we look at their sacrifice for Jesus, but then think about, if you would, their surety in Jesus. Here's the beauty of it. What you give up for the Lord Jesus Christ, you make up immeasurably by way of gains. There's just no way to place a premium on what it means to follow the Lord. And so, listen to what Jesus said, and this goes back to our first point. He said, assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time. So, what do we gain in Christ? What did they gain in Christ? What do you and I, let, let's say we're talking to somebody about becoming a child of God. And they say, okay, I see that I've got to give up some things, but now here's what I want to know. What am I going to get out of it? What am I going to gain from becoming a child of God? Well, I believe that there are some viable things that you and I gain. Now, many times we talk about the things that we gain in Christ and we look, we look at things from an eternal perspective. And granted, we're going to look at that. But I believe that there are what I would call present time blessings that you and I enjoy. Listen again to what Jesus said. He said that those who forsake all to follow him shall receive many times more in this present time. That means that right now, as children of God, there are some things that we can enjoy. What are those things? Number one, first and foremost, salvation. What's the Bible all about? It's about salvation. If you miss the fact that this book is about salvation, then you've missed the thrust of this book. It's about the fact that Christ died for our sins and that you and I can enjoy a relationship with him. 
So first of all, I would submit unto you that we can be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Paul said, in him, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. John said unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. A moment ago, we partook of the Lord's Supper. When we partook of the bread, we were reminding ourselves of the body that was given in our stead. That's what Jesus instructed us to do. When we partook of the cup, we were reminding ourselves of the blood that was shed for us. That's again what Jesus said we're to do. And the Lord said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come again. So we have the opportunity to be redeemed by the blood of Christ. When we obey the gospel, we are redeemed fully and free. And I would, I would emphasize this point. When you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. When we talk about forgiveness, we're talking about the fullness of forgiveness. It's not forgiven and, forgiven but, it is forgiven, fully forgiven. Whatever the sins may be, whatever you've said, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, you can be forgiven. That's the beauty of Christianity. To know that Christ died for our sins and that every sin has been washed away. When, when Saul of Tarsus was met by Ananias, and bear in mind that Saul of Tarsus had been a great persecutor of Christians, the Bible says he made havoc of the church in Acts chapter 8. Here was a man intent on wrecking the church of Christ. The Lord Jesus even asked him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And yet Saul of Tarsus said he was instructed to arise and be baptized and wash away his sins. Don't you know the apostle Paul understood the blessings of forgiveness? And then to know that not only does God forgive, but that he forgets. In other words, he's not gonna continually dredge these things up that we've done in the past. He's not gonna say, now do you remember when you did this or said this or went here or there? The Lord doesn't operate that way. The psalmist said, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions or our sins from us. So, the Hebrew writer put it this way, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities, listen to him, I will remember no more. That means that God puts them out of his mind. He blots them out. So you can enjoy redemption by the blood of Christ. Then also you can enjoy reconciliation in the body of Christ, that is in the church. Reconciliation takes place where? In the body of Christ, in the church of Christ. In Ephesians 2.16, the Bible says that Christ reconciled both Jew and Gentile in one body unto God through the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. To know that you and I can be reconciled to our heavenly Father that we can enjoy a relationship with God the Father. Jesus Christ is the one through whom we have access to God, is he not? Did Jesus not say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me? Did you know that the Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for our sins? So, salvation. That's what we're talking about gaining in Christ, to know that we have salvation. But then there's a second thing, supplications. The word supplication simply means prayer. 
you and I as children of God, we, we enjoy a number of spiritual blessings. One of those spiritual blessings is prayer, the privilege of prayer. To know that we have the, the opportunity to bow in the presence of God and to pray. Look at Luke 18.1. Jesus said that men ought to pray always and not to faint. Did Jesus Christ not believe in, in the blessings of prayer? Peter said the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. I believe that Peter, no doubt, understood the great privilege of prayer. Now Jesus said, you'll receive many times more in this present time. I think he's talking about present time blessings. One of the great present time blessings that we have, the privilege of prayer. And then also the power of prayer. Does prayer work? Sometimes people ask the question, do you mean to tell me that prayer will truly work in the life of a believer? You better, you better believe it. James said the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that we are to draw boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That suggests unto me that God is there for me. When I come before his throne, he is all ears. He's listening to my prayers. And so the privilege and the power of prayer. And then there's another thing I would share with you. And this has to do with security. Now, most of us, we like security, don't we? We, we like to feel like we're secure. We like to feel secure when it comes to our finances. We like to feel secure in, in, our, in our chosen professions. We like to believe that we're going to have a job until we, until we retire. What about spiritually? Do I want to feel secure? Absolutely. Can I feel secure? Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 10, 20. He said, rejoice. Why? Because your names are written in the book of life. Have you obeyed the gospel? Are you living as a faithful child of God? If so, guess what? Your name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life. John in the Revelation, in Revelation chapter 20, talks about standing before the throne of Almighty God. And he said, the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now that's security, to know that my name has been recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And then I think about just the fact that I have the knowledge, that I have, that I have adequate knowledge of the future. Now, there are people that want to forecast the future. Sometimes financial planners will forecast the future. Here's how much you need to save in order to, to get to this point when you retire. Well, there are some things that we simply can't forecast. But let me tell you what, when it comes to the future of a child of God, then I can forecast. What is the future of a child of God? Can I know that I'm saved? Can I know that I am a redeemed, reconciled, cleansed, saved child of God? Absolutely. Can I know that I am heaven bound? You better believe it. In 1 John chapter 5, John said, this is the testimony, this is the record, that God has given unto us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He said, he that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God does not have life. This is the testimony. This is the record that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God 
And that believing you may know that you have eternal life. Can I know that I have eternal life? Absolutely. How do I know it? Well, if I've done what the Bible says to do, if I'm following this book, then I can know whether or not I'm saved. I can know whether or not I'm redeemed. I can know whether or not I've been reconciled to the Lord. I can know that when he comes, I have a home in heaven. When the apostle Paul neared the end of his physical sojourn here upon this earth, read 2 Timothy chapter four and listen to the confidence of the apostle Paul when he said, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is later for me the crown of righteousness. No hesitation, no quivering in his voice, but rather that steady, calm, confident assurance that he knew, look, one day I'm going home to be with the Lord. That's the kind of confidence we have. Now, we talk about present time blessings. Those are present time blessings. To know in this life, look, if I die, I'm heaven bound. But what about future blessings? Well, future blessings, listen to what Jesus said. He said, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come everlasting life. What are you and I wanting, what, what are we wanting to, to attain one day? Everlasting life. I mean, what's, what's our ultimate goal as a child of God? To go home to be with God in heaven? Do you not want to go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. I would hope all of us here want to go to heaven. And so, what, what, what the Lord is saying to Peter is, look, Peter, you've said you've left all to follow me. That's great. Here's what you're going to get right now. Present time blessings. But here's what you have to look forward to. Everlasting life. You can know one day that you're going to be, you're going to be living in that beautiful abode known as heaven. When Jesus announced his departure in John chapter 13, you, you can just imagine the, the fear, the uncertainty that swept the minds of the apostles. And so Jesus then said to them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Later, Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 1, and he would talk about how you and I as children of God have an inheritance. He said it's incorruptible, it's undefiled, it does not fade away. Listen, listen. I, I read about heaven in this book. And I read about a place that is free from, from tears and crying and death and pain and sorrow. I read about the beauty of heaven in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And I'll be honest with you. I can't fully fathom the beauty of heaven. I'm not sure I can really visualize in my mind's eye what heaven's going to be like. But I know this. I want to be there. I want to be there. And it really doesn't matter to me if I'm right by the throne or if I'm miles and miles from the throne of God. As long as I'm in heaven, that's all I care about. And as a child of God, what the Lord is saying is, look, here's what you have to look forward to, everlasting life. That's what it's all about, going home to be with God. So, here's my question. Have you left all to follow Jesus? If not, my encouragement to you today would be forsake all, whatever it may be, to follow him. Be willing to repent of every sin, as Peter said on Pentecost Day in Acts 2.38. 
Be willing to confess his name before others as the eunuch did in Acts 8 verse 37. You believe Jesus to be the son of God. Be willing to be immersed in a watery grave of baptism knowing that you will rise to walk in newness of life that every sin will be washed away. Acts 22, 16. And then live faithfully. And the promise is the crown of life. If you're here today, you're not faithful, why not come home? Why not come back to a loving God who will abundantly pardon 1 John 1, 9 as we stand and sing.